This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and your comments in. If you're watching the replay, say hello, feel free to comment, we do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, Paul, how are you doing, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. Good. Um, uh, a bit of a weird podcast this week. Obviously, we're going to talk about the 65th anniversary of Munich in a, in a little while, but we've got to start off talking about Crystal Palace and Manchester United win 2-1. Very eventful game. Um, very weird game in terms of like the atmosphere got quite ugly in it. Um, more intense than what normally used to seeing. And obviously, that had something to do with the, the refereeing decisions as well. Um before we get started, Bryn says, good morning. Good morning, Ben. Hope you're well. Um, yeah, United win 2-1. They score an early penalty. Bruno Fernandes, I don't think there's any doubt with the penalty. The guy's got his arms out. Um, and then I think what happens, um, what you normally get when... Because I mean, there was a big delay as well, maybe like two or three minutes between the award and the penalty being, you know, the penalty actually being taken and scored. So you've got like that long delay. The only good thing is that VAR in Old Trafford seems to finally have the announcements because like for the, like, the last sort of four or five decisions that they've had with VAR, they haven't actually told us like they, they were even checking it. Um, but they did that. It took about two or three minutes. Then uh, obviously scores and the game's kind of flat because it's like, what do United do forever? I mean, you just see it in games of football, really. You know, it's one of those age-old problems. Palace sort of sniff that they could get back into it. Um, Tenog makes a couple of changes where he brings on um, Garnacho. Garnacho does really well helping show set up Rashford for the goal. In fact, that's a fantastic team goal. And you think game over. United can see the game out. You know, they, <laughs> in the level of comfort that they kind of need at this moment in time. But then there's a melee started on the sideline. Um, Anthony's thrown into the advertise, well, barged into the advertising board, and it starts like this massive sort of riot between the players. It looks like you know Anthony and some antagonist, but even if Anthony's the antagonist or whoever nudged him into the the boards, they're going to get yellow cards. The referee goes and checks VAR again, and he sends off Casemiro. Um, United then 
pretty lucky to hold on for a 2-1 win because Palace throw on um, very tall forwards. They absolutely ball Palace do pull a goal back, but United hold on to win 2-1. And in fact, towards the like last two or three minutes of injury time, they're quite comfortable. Um, you know, they're pushed up and attacking in the left and holding on, uh, holding on onto the ball in in that area. Um, we'll talk about Casemiro on the red card in a moment, Paul. But all in all, <clears throat> United probably worthy of the win. Yeah, I think you have to look. Sometimes you you know that United are on a tough schedule and everything's ain't going to be great and rosy in a situation. Sometimes a game against Palace is they can be party poopers when they travel away from home to the big boys. And so you just take it. It's as simple as that. And you just, you grab hold of it. And there is going to be that moment. Um, they're always, Palace have got that bit about them that, that, you know, they can sometimes go and nick something. So, um, so I think we have to, have to say, really, you call that, a, you know, a good three points more than anything, really. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how you look at it. It's easy to come out and you know and say should have done better against them, but you know if it means you don't you don't get you know a great performance in a game like that, and you look at the situation, you you just take you know you t- you take the win, you take the win, and you look at it and say did you justify winning the game? I think we have to say United did justify it. Did they play well? No, not really. But you know they got they got through it. A nice goal as well to win it from Rashford. Yeah, I mean. To be honest, everyone, like you just you just said as you were talking now, that one goes in, you thought, you know, the game was won, but, it, you know, it wasn't won at that point. But, yes, it, it certainly made a difference. But, if you know, you end up the way that Palace went about it, the squirmish kind of got them going a bit. It kind of, you know, the fans maybe got caught up in that as well, maybe didn't really go as what they normally do to keep, the, you know, to keep the team going and... They lost their way, lost lost their, well, you say Palace played it quite well. They caused a squirmish like that, takes everyone's mind away from things and all of a sudden you lose that momentum and that's what United done. I think uh, from my, uh, Ben says, I'm glad we don't have to play Palace again and absolutely because I think it was getting a bit nasty at the end. And I think, I don't think Andre Marina helped it, to be honest. I, you know, I think he, he was confused over the penalty. He obviously missed the penalty the first time round, which, all right, that happens. But he seems to, um, moving on from the Casemiro thing, uh, no, we, I, I'm not saying we're moving on, we're going to talk about it, but I mean, after that decision, he seems to comp- not lose the plot, but he didn't seem to have control of the game. At one point, he elbowed Fernandez in the head. It didn't stop play. He must have known that his elbow hit Fernandez on the head. Do you know? I'm not, you know, Fernandez is quite theatric and he did get up, uh, but but he should have stopped play because he's elbowed the player in the head. He's got to, he's noticed that's an head injury. There was a, a point where Sabitza, um, on for his debut, makes a magnificent tackle. United are through and he, he started blows for a foul. Um, and there are a couple of decisions like that. He was just thinking, but it all stemmed back to the um, thing. And, and do you know what? You can. You can forgive some referees because when there is a melee, when it all kicks off, it is difficult to um, to sort of know exactly what's gone on. The problem is he's gone and looked at that video and we've all seen, the thing is, it's one thing him going to look at the video, but we've all seen the video of what he looks at. And he looks at the, the worst three seconds and he doesn't even consider the full context. He doesn't look at the full incident. He doesn't look at the full, uh, he doesn't watch it all, all pan out. He looks at the worst three, well, 
he looks at a specific three seconds that paint Casemiro not in the best light. He doesn't even watch that. He doesn't watch that altercation completely unfold. He doesn't watch how it ends, and he he sends Casemiro off. Um, and he's going to be banned for three games. United run the risk of a frivolous appeal, which would make it four games, and that would make him um, an absentee for the calling uh, calling cup, Carabao Cup final against Newcastle, which obviously United are probably apprehensive to do. Um, it's a bit of a you know, even though yeah, you or I might think you know it's a, a fair chance of winning that appeal. The how, how much do you trust the appeal process? It's it's one of those things. I mean, so talk me through what you thought of that decision because I, I looked at it at the time, obviously, didn't know what went on, and then watching it afterwards, it's like, oh my god, I was he being sent off for that? Well, I'll take the latter there, exactly the, exactly the same. And he, he, his mind was it wasn't, I don't think it was about him making his own mind up. I think he was told, he was shown what was needed to show to prove the point of whoever it was who was made the decision he needs to be sent off because there's the situation with Fred, um, with IU, that was that was proper aggressive. Um, with something like that, the time it went on, you pick out one red shirt and you send them off. When in theory he was he was holding the shirt, it wasn't an aggressive round the neck aggressive. You can see him afterwards that it was just a case of him pulling him away. Casimir Casimir's character doesn't show any aggression at all when he plays on his face or anything like that. And sometimes you have to look at people and he hasn't done that. And how can you pick out him, as said by Ten Hag, and only pick out the one player? It doesn't make sense. So I think there's a case in point with the Fred situation for the argument is to look at that and look at that. It's both of them or none of them. Make your mind up. What... Who's the people? Who are these people who are in their little broom cupboard, as I call it, near Heathrow? Why have they gone to him and not gone to IU just to, for his one? Because that was serious aggression. And I see, I've seen IU playing a lot, a lot of times, and he is like that. He is quite aggressive. The play, his face, things ain't going his way. He, he does get that way. Um, yeah. I just, it was just a strange one, and I think there's a point to go and do it because. I think him the three the three games he's going to miss as much as you're talking about a final, you're talking about you know you're talking about Premier League games, Wayne, and it's important for me. They're in a great position, United, to get really stable in that pack of four, yeah. and something like this, which is minimal, can you know it wasn't a two for. I'll tell you what, he's sending off. Um, I'm sorry, he's second yellow in that game. Um, the what game was it? I'm from the Palace game. The yellow that, that he one, got, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the yellow he got. The challenge he made, which could have been deemed the red card challenge because yeah. both feet are up, was worse than that. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. 100%. So I, I don't see you talking about say, oh, it could be an extra game and miss a League Cup final. League Cup finals, you know, you know, great for him to be his first season in, in, you know, in the UK to play in the final. But it'd be great, but I think the three games are important and you want your key players. I really do think they should go for it because there's enough argument there to say why was he sent off when he was more about him trying to control the player and pull him away. Yeah. You know, that's well, me. Yeah. But, but they've got obviously lawyers and you, like you just mentioned at the end there again, Wayne, is that you don't know who's going to be sitting there to make that decision because I, I still say, and it's a, 
and it is that way in the way that life is. It's a boys' club. Yeah. In that opinion, it's a boys' club. And they all, they'll all protect each other. And Andre Mariner made a massive, massive mistake. And, and just during, and just during that game, like you say, the way he, he had no control of it. And sometimes, I think as a referee, after so long, it, you, you can't, it, it goes. And I think Andre Mariner is in that position now where he might, he, he might just have to step down from where in the situation is at that level of football. Yeah. Well, Ben says, to play devil's advocate, the angle we get on TV for most decisions, unless VAR is involved, isn't usually the same angle the ref has. And that, that is fair. But I also think that then you've got to use whatever footage is available to as, to see the full process play out. Because I, I think, obviously, there's a second angle that we've seen that, that's gone viral that, from a fan in the stands where they're behind it and you can sort of see from the start of it, that what Casemiro's actually doing, he hasn't actually got his hands around his neck, he's got him on his collar, and what he's actually mm. doing, there's the momentum of the situation where he's kind of like, we know what Old Trafford slopes on the pitch, he's kind of holding him, making sure that he doesn't fall down, he's actually helping him out, and at the end they give each other a hug, Will Hughes turns around after Casemiro gets sent off, puts five, six fingers up to the, the crowd, and... He's trying to inflame a, an already sort of nonsense situation, making it needlessly worse. You know, all right, getting some needle like that, it doesn't really matter. He's a Liverpool fan, then fair enough. But I think, like, you've been helped out, and that's the sort of nonsense that I don't get. Like, you, players are supposed to be standing up for each other in that kind of situation because there's, it's the system, it's the system of the decision making that's the problem. That player's actually helped you out there. You know, yeah, all right, the initial act of where he's got his hands on your neck, but that was necessary to be able to pull you up, otherwise you would have fell back. Um, I don't, and then it ends with a cuddle. You know, the end yeah. with a cuddle. You can see that he's he's absolutely fine. And Will Hughes' face, Will yeah. Hughes' face was not somebody who was being strangled. Because you could, if someone's doing that round the throat, you are going to panic and you're going to maybe... Yeah. Do something silly, you might swing an arm. He he saw he had it round him, but he wasn't in that kind of way. You look at Fred's face when we buy you, and it's not a good look. Yeah. You can see Fred is like kind of you know, react. You know, he could have reacted at any time if if someone had done that to him or was yeah. doing it to him, and he could have swung an arm or something. So that one for me is wrong. I, I haven't heard anything mentions ifs and buts and maybes whether or not they're gonna um, contest it, but. I, I think it's there. It's, it's the wrong decision, and you've got to take every opportunity to take them to task at this moment in time. And, and I say it again, I said it a thousand times they need help mm. in there. They need help because, as, and I use the words again, it's a boys' club, boys club thing in there. It's a fact of life, it can't be helped. And now you might just need someone in there just to spice up and look more get more independent there again, an ex-player, and then you might have to keep changing that player to get different things. Because we do fall, we do get that way. We, we do suddenly get favouritism. We do sometimes not like somebody. Something someone's done is irate, is made you irate, so you decide that you're not going to give them anything anymore. Yeah. And, I, and that's all going on. It's, it happens. You can't say it doesn't happen because it's human nature. So it has, you know, it has. So some that that's the, that is why that's come about. As far as I'm concerned, it was totally wrong, but they yeah. went and done that. I, I've, you know, I find funny is that they used to say about the stuff that Casemiro does. Although I don't see him as a sort of cynical player in the way that Fernandinho was, because I, you know, people would sort of credit 
Fernandinho for the tactical fouls and stuff like that. Casemiro's too good for that. Like he he, he wins tackles, but I think there's been the kind of narrative. Yeah, all right. The the tackle at Palace was bad, and it, I, I happen to agree. There was a decent shout for him to be sent off there, but he's not an aggressive player in that he goes out to work someone. He's normally good, but I think there's probably been that narrative of trying to paint him like that, and that was probably in Mariner's mind when he, he goes to send him off, which is it's just ridiculous. I, I but I go back to the point that I make about the appeals panel. They're probably going to be looking at that saying their their response probably would be along the lines of two wrongs don't make a right. So it doesn't matter about the Fred incident. That's the referee missed that. It's all about, you know, was he wrong to send Casemiro off? But Wayne, the thing is now that we now open a door now for what's been seen previous can be, can be brought back and looked at the door because of VAR and that now. So it doesn't make any difference. They can go back, look at that and they can tell him he made a mistake. And you watched him, well, you watch his manner when it was all going on. I, didn't, I don't mean get involved in it. Don't go in there and start. The assistant referee seemed like he was involved, but I think he was, he was more panicking about being knocked further down the slope. But he should have just gone around a little bit and just, just had a look. Just make out as if he was about and he was doing his job because he just stood back there and it was kind of, oh, that's doing that. If you could see his face, it's like he just switched off. Kind of virtually saying, oh, it's all right. We've got people in the studio who can watch all that for me. I let them get on with it and make a decision and I just do it. Yeah. And that's what the problem is. VAR is taking away that zest from referees. They're not, they're not sharp anymore because they know there's something that's going to back them up. And again, that's human nature. It's, yeah. You've got something there that is kind of stop, allowing you maybe not to go 100% to go and do something because someone's going to going to make up the difference in what in what you've missed and not done properly you're going to go and grab it and mm. I think that's I think that's what he's gone and done now and there's a lot of referee doing it now then I saw one the other day when there was a foul and the referee hadn't seen it and then all of a sudden the referee the game's character the referee blew his whistle and he's given the foul and it wasn't because he allowed play on because it went the other way it's because someone told him in his ear yeah. There was a foul there. So I know that that is going on. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But in certain ways, it's quite good. Quite good. In other ways, it's quite wrong. But they are, there's people still in their ear talking, oh, that's a foul. And they might have been just saying it because they're watching the game. Like sometimes when I'm commentating, I sometimes get involved in the game and I kind of get kind of, oh, oh, whatever. I forget. So I think these people, because they forget maybe to switch it off or whatever, oh, that's a foul. And the referee go, oh, okay, bang. Yeah. yeah. Rather than making their own mind, I'm saying, God, I missed that. I've got to carry on now. I'll, hopefully, this still can. This ain't going to mug me off. This is yeah. going <laughs> to come out the good boy. But they, but they do that, and they make it all straight away. You go, someone's talking their ear. Someone's is helping them out do their job. In certain ways, that's quite good. But in a lot of ways, it could come back and bite them. Yeah, like Ben says, um, exactly. Paul Var should be a referee aid. The way it's been implemented has made it an extra referee, and it's also like the the weird sort of um, ambiguity over things. Like, was it Clattenburg or Webb came out and said, "Well, on like Friday, like actually came out and said, oh, well, we've changed the interpretation. So if Rashford scored that goal against City, this like if he scored the same goal this week, uh, Bruno scores the same goal this weekend, then it's not going to count." Do you know what I mean? So they've already. They've said, oh, the interpretation of that's wrong. So they, they change, and like, you know, yeah, in theory, on the principle of it, I agree with you in terms of saying 
we should appeal it because we need to make a stand on that. It's at least to to let a full incident be played out so you can see from start to finish what it actually looks like and, and maybe get a different angle of it. But I just feel with United's look with that kind of thing um, and how, how key is, you know, that I, I don't have any trust in the appeals process for that. Um, well, a couple of comments in. Robbie says, happy heavenly birthday to his uncle, Desi Byrne. He moved to Manchester from Dublin in 63, travelled everywhere to see United and put many a lad up from Dublin when heading over for a match to Old Trafford. Yeah, there were many stories of that from lads from Ireland who travelled over. Um, and uh, Robbie also says, thanks for your thread on the Busby Baby. No, um, really appreciate that, Robbie. Uh, we'll be talking about Munich in a moment. Uh, but I talk, first of all, oh, hang on, Ben does say about Casemiro, one last point. It is risky. We should be able to beat Leeds and Leicester without him on paper anyway. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's not just Casemiro, it's Casemiro and Eriksen and, and both of them out of the side. Um, it does make relatively... I'm not going to say straightforward wins against Leeds and Leicester. I don't mean that, but games that are more comfortable than Manchester City at home, for example... It does throw it into the chaos theory because well, let's be frank about it. You know, United's midfield, even though Sabitzer did all right on on Saturday, it's a bit of a risk. And um, I mean, is that where you're coming from when you're saying the appeal? You've got to, you've got to really say like disregard this on paper theory. You've got to really go for it and and, and put that appeal in to make sure that well to do everything that we can to get him available. I, I think so. I think it's worth it. I mean. <laughs> Put, you know, all of a sudden you say, oh, it's about, you know, League Cup. And yes, it is important, I think, for the club, for Ten Hag, and for a lot of those players to be involved the opportunity to some of them to win their first trophy. And I think they need it and understand that, yes, they've won that trophy, then it's important about then going to get the next trophy. And they need to understand to get that, to get that, that back, that kind of feeling that when you play for Manchester United, it is about winning games of football and winning trophies. Not just as it had been previous, well, I've, I've got a Manchester United tracksuit and walk around and say, look at me, look at me. And you haven't done anything. And there's a lot of players like that at United who haven't done anything, haven't achieved anything, but still, but were still walking around as if like playing for United was, was enough. It's only enough when you've actually won trophies because people won't be interested in in you as a person, if you haven't won trophies at Manchester United during your tenure, your time, sorry. So, yes, the League Cup's important, but I think, as you said there, Ericsson and Casemiro, mate, out for, you know, those for three games to get, you know, that point, you know, because they've they're both been integral yeah. in everything that since Ten Hag's been there. So you can't just turn around and, in my opinion, give that up so easy. Yes. There's a signing on loan who's coming on loan and looked very good when he come on, yeah. but it's about is he going to be out? Is it is the play, him playing with Fred going to exactly. work for, yeah. work for three games? We, we don't know. I don't believe it would work with McTominay, not at all. And I think a lot of fans now would would totally agree with that. Now that that partnership isn't isn't going to work. So you're looking really at you're looking at Fred and you know to come in there and then. To, him to play three games, you know, in that in that kind of well, you can't do a Casemiro role. So um, it's, it's I think I think it's something worth you know just because you look at the games, they're they're 
they are winnable games. They're games that you, they need at this time, given over this period as well. And you win those three games, and it makes it you know you know other team, it's important three games yeah. to stay to stay in the hunt or to pull away pull away in that pack of four to get a bit of security underneath. Yeah. It's crazy, like yeah, three games it might not seem like a lot in isolation, but it is like for the momentum of this season, particularly at this moment with Arsenal having the little wobble in the weekend that United have had. Um, you never know what position they could be if it if they win those three games. Um, yeah, and it might be the making of some of those players. Um, just one last comment on um, on Casemiro. She got a comment in that the problem with VAR says T two the Izzo. Um, is that the ref never changes his mind after being called to the screen. Someone in a shed decided that Casemiro should walk. Yep. Um, we'll come on to the, the games against Leeds then. Um, strange because we're going to be playing them <clears throat> um, playing them back-to-back because obviously the, the home games rescheduled from when the Queen passed away earlier in the season. So we've got Leeds back-to-back games. I mean, you had something similar back in 91-92 where it was just Leeds all the time. And I know from what we've talked about previously, where you've kind of said, well, you can, the two, you looked a bit confused there, Paul. The, the cup games that we were playing at Ellen Road all the time. Yeah, I mean, we, didn't we play them three times in 10 days? Yeah. Like that. yeah. 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 But when we've talked previously, we've kind of said, like, the Leeds are the kind of team that you want to play once in a while because you never look forward to playing them again or playing in front of their fans. Mm. So, um, and not because they're like particularly atmospheric or anything like that just because it's bitter and a bit horrible um and not precisely what united need after a bitter end to the way that the game finished on saturday um <coughs> I, what do you reckon these it's, it's I, I, they lost yesterday forest from what i actually saw the game i saw the first half hour they, they played quite well they you know like i don't think they deserve to be behind <coughs> but they were behind they forced um the Kilo Navas into a few saves. Not not all of the magnificent saves. They just forced him into a few. Um, it does it is it a good thing that United are getting them back to back when when they're on a bit of a poor run? In certain ways, yeah, I would I would go with that, Wayne. To be perfectly honest, but <clears throat> again, Leeds. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. No, it's unlucky, but <laughs> there's been many many a team got relegated from being unlucky. Many, yeah. many a team, and um, it just seems that way. What then? They started so well, and then they conceded a goal, a goal out of nothing, and then we didn't. Then we didn't see Dave Johnson's boy Brendan again. That was him out of the game. Disappeared. You know, he's walked walked away with the honour of scoring the goal, but he disappeared totally out of the game. Leeds were the better team throughout, but they lack. They've got nothing at the top end. Nothing at the top end at all want to play football all the time, everywhere, they, you know, and you can catch them out so many times because they overplay um, the lad Strike. Is it Strike? Playing, yeah. on, the left, playing on the left side. He, Leeds fans have been moaning about him for weeks and the manager's still playing him. He, you know, just so many mistakes. Everything that happens, happens on his side, his area. He, you know, he is, he's a calamity without a shadow of doubt. So, but those Leeds players will lift themselves. The home game going going there. The Leeds players will lift because they have to, because otherwise they won't be accepted by their own fans. And as we know, it's a massive game for Leeds, and that's what yeah. it's all about. It's it's a big game for Leeds. They'll come to Old Trafford, 
and it's a diff it's a different it's a different kind of game. Yes, we you know it's seen as a big game maybe because of at Old Trafford because you know what the grief and what some of the United fans have to put up with when they go there. But to Leeds, it's their be all and end an end all. It's their, you know it's the one that they waited for for so many seasons to mm. play after being out the Premier League and. And I'm quite sure there's a lot of Leeds fans that don't want this game because generally, as they know now, since they've been back in the Premier League, it's not the game they look forward to because all they do is concede goals and not score any. So mm. on that side of it, it's a great it's a, it's a great double header, I think, at this moment for United. And it's, it's one that you're going to go into where you know that a lot of the players are going to be lifted for it, especially when they go to Wellham Road and hear the hate, see the hate. Feel the hate. I think I think I can say that as well. Yeah. I never witnessed anything like that until I went there. I thought, you know, I think I said this before. I think, and I say it quite a bit because it's a fact. I got more abuse from playing for Manchester United at Ellen Road than what I did from being black. And it wasn't nice when I going there when I played there for Fulham and for QPR. But I never realised it how nasty and volatile. That game and vile that game was at Ellen Road until I went there in a United shirt. It yeah. was in incredible. Well, you know, United, uh, if we are to be with Cas without Casemiro and Eriksen, the one thing I will say is that at least we won both games without them against Leeds last season. So we'll, we'll see. Mm. Um, but we back to talk about those games for sure we'll, we have to talk about Munich obviously it's the 65th 65th anniversary of it today um, the, when it's the big landmark years I always feel like it's more not important because it's always important but it's like because it's a, an anniversary and you think with every sort of six, uh, five years that passes then it's kind of like you know more people have passed in that meantime and you know, who survived, and there's only really, I think there's only Bobby Charlton who survived from Munich, who's still alive now. I know that one of the air stewardesses is, is still there, but I mean, I, I, it's always a sort of soberingly emotional day for United supporters. You you came into United not as a youth player, you were someone who was signed from the outside, so you were a senior pro, well, many years in the game, played at Old Trafford many times before you actually... Um, represented the club so how did Munich affect you as a United player how, how long after joining the club did you start to feel what what it meant to the club I mean it was it was mentioned quite early <clears throat> obviously I you know I knew I knew about it but I, I never knew how strong you know how strong it was at the club until actually until I was actually playing from it was always mentioned there was always something that there was always a relationship something that would bring it on and it'd be talked about. But that first time playing, <clears throat> playing when it was there, when, in, you know, in February, my first, you know, I think that would have been 92. Yeah. When I arrived, then you, you could feel it. You knew that it was something there that was always, always going to be there, was remembered. Everybody, you know, you could just see everyone. Would, it put everyone on the low, to be perfectly honest. And the thing that you, you, wanted, you wanted to give, you wanted to, Lifted by a performance on the pitch, and and that's what it and that's what it was all about, really. It, just to make sure that you delivered on the pitch, and it was important for those lads to get through that at the weekend as well. Yeah. You know, after what's going on, so you know that all those little things play a part, and 
and it's, it's just as difficult for coming now and imagine as a as an away player as well at that moment to play in, in those circumstances as well with you know six you know sixty five seventy thousand odd people who are mourning you know maybe Manchester one of Manchester United's greatest ever teams yeah. you know all you know being lost in that fashion so you know it was. It was tough times as a player, and it's still something now. Which, when it does come around, because it, it, you know, it does always fall on like my, you know, my best mate's birthday as well. So, I definitely won't 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 forget that. You know what that day means as well. It's one thing um, witnessing it from the stands. The second thing is actually playing in it, and that's why I'm lucky to talk to you about this. Remember, um, you know, Ten Hag said about Rashford's goal that it was good that we played in that Busby spirit. You know, like there was movement, it was good passing, and and we score a nice goal. And it's from an academy player, so it's nice to score like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will be watching or listening to this poll who remember the atmosphere after, and it's not attached to the Munich disaster, but the atmosphere after Sir Matt died, and we played against Everton, and it was so surreal. And afterwards, there was kind of like the responsibility that we had to go out and put on a show. Um, I th- you know, you have that responsibility anyway, playing for the club. You know, you've got to go out there and play well. Does it? How does that change when it is an event like that? Is it like so? Like you know, yeah, you've got to win a game of football in the league program, but it, is it like almost like an extra emphasis? Like we've got to play well here. We've got to play entertaining football. Yeah. I mean... I mean, this, this, when you play for Manchester United, that's the way it is anyway. But when you've got a manager as well who demands, or sorry, who demanded that you entertain, yes, he definitely demanded that you win, but he demanded that you entertained as well. The boss just wasn't about go, you know, going through them, just get a win. That's 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 important. He wanted a performance, and he uses he used to use the word that perfected Manchester United. Yeah, you know, many a time he used that word when we hadn't, you know, yeah. and you know we paid for it. But on, for, you know, the game you're talking about, one of them was like Everton, and Everton yeah. arrived there, um, and, and that moment, um, in a situation as well, and I, I think it was a that kind of time, and it was a tough moment for them as well as players, and it was players talk about it after. They talk about it about that playing, and they don't they don't feel they can go a hundred percent. Because they feel as if they're, you know, treading on the wrong turf. They shouldn't be there, you know. United should play against United that day. Yeah. They should maybe change it to just have a have a friendly game that day. That have the weekend off. I think the way it is. Yeah. But um, it it was difficult, seriously difficult for the players because you know, and Ten Hag again is saying things, and I don't know whether the boss has whispered in his ear, but he seems to be like the, he seems to be working off a similar template to the way the boss was about most things mm. and the way he manages. And I'll say it again, he's the first manager that Manchester United have, have had since 2013. And that's proven a point by the way that United are performing and the way he's conducting himself as well. And he's taken everything on board about the club. And I've seen other managers do that because it's there, but I can see it more that he actually, he's genuine about it as well. It's mm. there, he's, you know, he's grabbed it straight away. And just by the way the bosses, and it'd be interesting if the boss was the same way we when he first around. But you know, two things that we all knew that what you know about when you played for Manchester United is you you didn't disrespect the club, and you certainly didn't disrespect your teammates. 
you know, and they're, they're input, they're important things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously it's the 65th anniversary. There are so many different stories to Munich that attached to Munich, which are, you know, they're harrowing. They're inspiring in a certain way. I mean, obviously you've got the passing of the players, Jeff Ben, Roger Byrne, Eddie Coleman, Duncan Edwards, Mark Jones, David Pegg, Tommy Taylor, Bill Whelan. You've got the staff, Tom Curry, Walter Crickmer, and Bert Wally. I mean, even Walter Crickmer, learn about the history that he had with the club, how important he was to setting up the um, setting up the youth system at the club and you know, how long he worked for the club. You've got Willie Satinoff, the support who travelled, who was probably about to be appointed to the board. All the the players who, who succeeded, the the players who had to come into the side afterwards, the players who didn't play again. But you know, Jackie Blanchflower, you know, um, Johnny Berry, the players who you know who had this incredible weight on them, like Kenny Morgan's, who just weren't able to uh, perform to the standard, which you know, because they were. They had such liberation and freedom when before the disaster, and they were still haunted by it afterwards. Um, players like Harry Gregg, you know, his heroism on the day, um, you know, even that is just a complete story in itself. The things that those players went through, Matt Busby being read the lads' last rites twice and um, surviving, Jimmy Murphy going to visit him and deciding that he was going to pull the club out of that wreckage and continue to compete in the same manner in which the way the comp the club had competed before then the passing of Duncan Edwards which came two two weeks after the disaster and and plunged the the club into a whole different sort of thread of mourning and then the players who came after you know the likes of Alex Dawson and Mark Pearson who had to come in and miss an important part of their development to come into the first team and the weight of responsibility that those players carried for the next two or three years that basically sacrificing a career at the top just to to stand in for that two or three years i mean those players never won medals and they deserve something much greater than that because what they put in for the club um it's just so in, an incredible moment in united's history that in terms of like the 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 size of it, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of it being incredible, that you have to stop every year, but especially on the landmark years, because I think when you you go like five or ten years, and then there are these number of people who pass in the, it's almost like mini generations of people who, who've passed away and mini generations of people who've been introduced to it. It's more important with that passing block of time that the younger generation are educated about what those players stood for. And I mean, you were lucky enough, Paul, um, to have rubbed shoulders with many of the survivors. You would have met so many of them. You know, you would have known the kind of character that they had and the kind of humility that, that they showed. And, and, you know, Bill Folks and Bobby Charlton won European Cups 10 years after the disaster. You know what I mean? That kind of responsibility. Obviously, a complete generation has passed since then to make that alien for today's players you know that they don't have i'm not i'm not criticizing that's just what time time gives like you know it's i don't know it's it's almost like it's, a, it's an incredible psychological kind of dilemma is it a burden is it an inspiration i mean i just ask you before we close off paul is it a burden does it feel like a burden does it feel like an inspiration when you're pull, pulling on that shirt knowing what you know what those players 
so it's not sacrificed because it wasn't a sacrifice but what those players went through and, and what they gave does it make it more of a burden or does it make it more of a, a privilege i want to use i'm going to turn around and say a privilege to be perfectly honest to actually play and then it's even more of a privilege or the fact of you can go there and you can achieve as well when you're there and if you go and achieve that makes it even better because then you know that you've done you know you've done it right you you know you've you've earned your stripes by being involved in something successful with a club. The club's always going to be, you know, be in that, in, seen in that light, but the light gets even brighter every time they go and win a trophy. It's as mm. simple as that, and it's about keeping that light going, and that's why there's an opportunity, definitely on two counts, to go and win a trophy. Yeah. I, just think, I think it's got to, got to be grabbed. Yeah. Is um, a couple of comments to close on. Robbie says, I think we found a gem in Ten Hag. And Ben says, you can tell he's immersing himself in Manchester United. It's not just for a photo opportunity or because he's been asked to do it. Absolutely. And I think that's a nice sort of way to end the podcast in sort of knowing, acknowledging that about Ten Hag is that it's not um, a gimmick for him. You can tell that it really is something that's important to him and that he's, he has, as Ben said, immersed himself in it. Um, that's it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week to talk about the, the games against Leeds. That should be an eventful double header, to say the least. If you're watching live on YouTube, um, feel free to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to give us a review and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week, guys, so stay safe and stay well. And thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.